Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Hey, this is the 1045 service. I think everybody should be awake. Nine o'clock service, I think I would have given you a little bit of a grace, but this is 1045. All right. So, yeah, so I'm definitely grateful for uh, all of you guys being here. In case you don't know me, my name is John Miller. I'm an associate pastor here at Grace Point Church. My wife and I are also the discipleship group directors here. Uh, Pastor Rich and Pastor Donna are away. Uh, Thank you so much for that. I feel better. Pastor Rich and Pastor Donna are away there in um, Arizona, actually visiting their son Sterling. And so you have me this morning. And so we are actually concluding uh, a sermon series that Pastor Rich started about four weeks ago called Overcomers. He's talking about how to overcome certain things that we have in our lives and what the Bible says about it. And and, and what things should we put in place in order to overcome certain things. So today we're going to talk about overcoming fear. Overcoming fear. Fear is one of those things that... Uh, Believe it or not, we all have fear. Sometime in our lives, every one of us fears something. Um, So we're going to talk about that and and everything. And so um, I'm going to jump straight in uh, to this because I'm really excited. I told the first service that I was excited like two weeks ago. Uh, But the second service, I think I'm like Red Bull excited. (laughs) Triple espresso elated, you know, to be here to preach this second service. And so... uh, in order for us to overcome something, first we must understand what it is that we're overcoming. And we're talking about this word fear. And so fear is actually defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is, one, dangerous, two, likely to cause pain, and three, a threat. And when we are confronted by all of this, it actually brings on us anxiety, it brings depression. It, it brings everything that we have is going to be doomed. It brings insecurity, and it also brings out anger. And I'm going to tell you a little story about how I dealt with fear a- as a teenager. Uh, so I have a best friend. His name is Durant. We've actually been best friends since the fifth grade. He actually lives in Oklahoma City. I'm from Oklahoma, so whoop, whoop, go Sooners. Had to get that out there on tape. Yes, baby. And so um, um, we've been best friends since the fifth grade. And um, it's kind of one of those friendships that if you want to know where he is, look for me. If you want to know where I am, look for him. Kind of one of those things. That, that, that's my guy. Still my guy to this day. Even though we live miles apart, not, nothing's, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And so uh, I, I have a cousin um, from uh, my grandmother's side of the family. And on that side of the family, uh, the boys in that family was very rambunctious. Uh, they love to fight, uh, they love to cause trouble, and they're very big and very strong for no reason. <laughs> I mean, like, they don't lift weights, and you just look at you like, dude, like, <laughs> what's going on? It's, it's nat- naturally built like that. And so th- everybody feared them. And so it just so happened that my best friend and my cousin had a problem with each, with each other. And so me and my best friend and two of our other friends, we were walking, and and, and we knew where, where my cousin was at. And, and look, I was, look, I'm just with my best friend. He's my best friend before I knew you, so you know, we're just going to walk together. And so we walked to a, a place where my cousin was at, and he happened to have some other guy with him. And so my cousin was like, oh, I'm sorry, my best friend was like, hey, what's going on? You know, why do we have these issues? You know, we, we can fight right now. And so my cousin looks at him, and he says, I don't want to fight you. And I was like, yep, that's what I thought. And he looks at me and says, I want to fight him. I'm like, Yo! Like, 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 man, we're cousins. Like, well, what did I do to you, man? Is, is it because you don't, you don't like him? You want to fight me? And I realized because I was the smallest one in the bunch. 
And so me, what I did is, is, is we used to wear these, wear these overall shorts back in the day uh, with like all of these professional sports teams on it. Well, I remember I had a pair of black and white Chicago White Sox overall shorts on. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, hold on, man, I can't fight you with this. You might choke me with one of the straps if it comes off. And so I got on my bike and I said, I'm going to go change. I'll be right back. And I rode home. And I never came back. Because I was afraid. I really was. Now, if, if we rewind a lot, I think I probably could have took him. I think I probably could have took him. But that was, that, that was a fear moment for me. Fear gripped me, and I ran away. And I ran away. The reality is this. Every one of us actually possesses a flight or fight mechanism inside of us. Every one of us. There's no way that we can get around it. The reality is that, is that sometimes that flight or fight mechanism that we have actually saves our lives. And so it's not always bad for us to have that. What is bad is when this flight and, uh, a flight and fight fear actually grips us and it controls the way that we live our lives. This is actually antithetical of the relationship that we have to Jesus. Now, what that just simply means is that it directly opposes everything that Jesus is to us. And so we have to be really careful whenever we're fearful of certain things. Now, being afraid in specific circumstances is not sin. But placing moral, more value and attention in what we fear over God becomes idolatry, which is sin. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me break that down for you really quick. Whenever I'm afraid of something and more of my attention is on that thing I'm afraid of than it is of Jesus, that's idolatry. I place that fear in the place God should be in. That fear then becomes my God. And so we have to be very careful on how much attention that we are actually placing in that fear. And so let's jump straight into this word. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we get to a place that before that, um, Paul is actually talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and uh, uh, in the beginning verses, he says, look, uh, there's been a gift place, uh, placed inside of you. Uh, look, I laid my hands on you. Um, your grandmother and your mother prayed for you. I know it's there. Now stir this gift up. Do not let this flame go out. And then he gave him something really good right here. This is where we're actually going to rest. This is our theme verse for today. It says this. It says, for God gave us a spirit, not a fear but of power and love and self-control. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, I ask that you would allow your transforming power to just rest in this place today. And that when we leave, and the last word is said, that we would all be changed from the way that we came in. I, I, I know that we feel that we're good, but we could always be better. And so, Father, you have your way. Hide me behind your cross. When I speak, let people hear you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And amen. I I'm going to do something that I didn't do first service. And uh, when, when, we, when we look at these verses, uh, can, you, can you put that verse, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, back up on the screen for me? I, I, want, I want to talk about a couple of words uh, so that way you will know exactly What's being said here? For God gave. In the Greek, this word 
gave is actually didomy. Uh, you don't got to look it up. You, you can go look it up when you get home. It's actually didomy. And what it means is it actually reads that, 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 that God gave out of his own accord because he wanted to, because he loves us so much. He gave out of his own accord us a spirit, not of fear, not absolutely not of fear, but when you see that word, but this is a contrasting term, which means that something's changing. And so before he says, listen, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but this is the better. But he gave us um, a, a, a spirit of power and love and of self-control, which means he intentionally gave us all of these gifts. But it's up to us to utilize these gifts and to manifest these gifts on the inside of us. Okay, and so and so so at the core of fear are, are actually these vacillating voices that actually projects things to us like this. And some of you may have heard them. And matter of fact, you may be hearing some of these voices even right now, but we're going to shut them up today. You're you're never going to be good enough. You don't have what it takes. Just give up. Nobody will ever love you again. You're just like this or you're just like that. You're nothing but a loser. You messed up too bad for God to love you anymore. And some of you may be dealing with those voices right now. But whenever you hear these voices, all these voices are actually echoes of a defeated and a fallen foe. And it made me realize and it made me remember that, that, that my son Elijah is five years old. He'll be six uh, next month. Yeah, next month in July, July 15th. Uh, sometimes when we get in little spaces, little secluded spaces, he likes to get in there and he likes to say, hey, and then all of a sudden you hear, hey, 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 and he just absolutely loves that. And so what we're actually hearing is we're hearing an echo of the real thing, but it's not really the real thing. Those are the voices that you hear. You're not good enough. That's, that, that's Satan's a, a last grasp to try to get you to believe that you're a nobody. But God. God has already defeated that enemy. He has already given you the victory. And so whenever you hear those words come up, you stop and you say, uh-uh, not today, Satan. I, I am a child of the Most High God. I am a king's kid. And the only reason that we get mesmerized by and fall victim to something of this nature is because we place our lives in the hands of the wrong thing. We start believing these wrong lies. Now, listen, I'm not knocking anyone from being afraid in specific circumstances, but I will say this, um, um, that we only get fearful when we fail to follow Jesus. We only remain in our fear when we fail to follow Jesus. Having the fear of the Lord is different than, having, than being fearful. And sometimes we, we like to mess those together thinking it's the same thing just because the word fear isn't. Listen, that's two completely different words, two completely different stances. The fear of the Lord means that I stand in awe of him. It means that I, I honor him. It means that, that, that I love him, that I give him his honor. It's kind of like I, 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 have, I have some I have some really good friends here today, and I tell them all the time that I love their family. Because one thing that I always see them doing is I see them always honoring one another. Is I hear words like this, like, 
my dad is my hero. Like, 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 like my dad is everything to me. And, and, and I, I really love that because, because it, it shows me exactly the kind of fear and the awe and the reverence that these boys have for their father. This father is a great man. He raises great children. Their mother is absolutely phenomenal. As, as a matter of fact, their, one of the, their youngest son came up to me this week, and he gave me a letter. Brought tears to my eyes. And uh, for most of you, everybody knows that, that Manny goes to Team Chip. He's phenomenal. He's like, he's, like, he's like a rock star. He's like a stud. Like Manny is, you think a rock star, you're a stud, you think of Manny. You know, that, that's just it. I'm trying to get there, but I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there. And so uh, I also go there for you people that didn't know. They're like, oh, John, well, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not as good as them. And so what, what I do is I actually clean their facility. And, and I don't clean it for money. I clean it because he gives. That, that place gives so much to the community. And so that's just me giving a piece back to them. And so the son wrote me a letter. I, I had an opportunity to actually partner with him uh, a couple Tuesdays ago. And he wrote me a letter and said, thank you so much for partnering with me. And also thank you for keeping our mats clean. It meant the world to me. Then the letter said, turn this page over. And there was a $10 bill there. And underneath that $10 bill, it said this. Please get yourself something to drink as you're cleaning the mats for me. Dude, talking about, oh, I got something in my eye right now. That, that meant the world to me because what it did, it, 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 here this little guy is talking to this grown man. And there was no fear there. There was no trepidation there. And it meant so much. Listen to me. How much fearfulness do we have in our Father? I'm not talking about being scared. I'm talking about reverence, awe, mimicking him, showing people what this is. Listen, I know exactly what their family is about because of the act of that one thing. Can pe do people know exactly what your Father is about by your actions? Are, are, are you too scared? Are you too fearful to show those actions, to show exactly who God is and what God can be and what he can do for you? And so listen, Fear of the Lord is to stand in awe of him, not to hide from him, Adam. You guys remember Adam in the book of Genesis after he and uh, uh, Eve had sinned and said that the Spirit of God came walking to them in the cool of the day, and the Bible says that they got afraid and they hid themselves. Listen, whatever fear you have in your life, if you hide yourself from the presence of God, he can't do anything with it. And so God is not going to come to you and say, why did you do this? Why did you do that? What he's going to do is he's going to say, come to me, bring it to me. Let me love you. It reminded me, that just reminded me of a story. I'm glad my son's not in here because he's like, dad, stop telling that story. Uh, a, a, a couple of months ago, I, I was outside actually mowing my lawn and to come back inside. And all of a sudden, uh, my five-year-old son, he just runs away. I'm like, Elijah, come here. Come here. What's wrong with you? And he's looking. And, and I see this little red drop sitting on his nose. I'm like, dude, is your nose bleeding? He says, no. I said, lift your head up. He lifts his head up, and I see this red jelly being stuck in his nose. <laughs> and so he's trying to get it out, and try, but it wouldn't come. And I said, no, Bubba, you can't do that. You have to close one nostril and then blow it out. And he did. I said, listen to me. I said, whenever you are afraid, don't run from dad. Wow. You run to dad because only if you run to dad will I be able to help you. <laughs> listen, whenever you're afraid and you're fearful in certain situations, don't run from your father. Run to him. Guess what? He already knows what you're going through. 
He already knows what you have need of. And if he wanted to, he can say, look, I'm just going to give you everything right now. But that's not the kind of God that we serve. He's a gentleman. He's not going to intrude in any situation where he's not welcome in. So you have to welcome your father in. And so we have to be very careful that we are not knowingly walking in fear and weakness and being okay with it. Knowing we need help and refusing to get it places us in a place of pride. It puts us in a place of pride. I, I, I know I need it, but I'm not going to go and get it. it. It places us in a place of pride, which ultimately turns that thing around and makes us selfish. Selfishness is all about me. Selfishness tells me that, that, that I'm only going to serve God based on what I know I can get from him. I don't care about the people. I'm just trying to get stuff. That's what selfishness and pride does for us. And so we have to be really careful. And you have to be really careful because that, that, that's one of the roots of fear. It's pridefulness and, and selfishness. And you have to be careful about that. I only serve God out of fear because I'm afraid that if I don't serve him, that I'll lose prestige, uh, I'll lose power, and I'll lose money. Our view becomes tainted, which leads me to my very first point, and it's this. Fear blinds us of God's promises. Fear blinds us of God's promises. Numbers 13, 1 and 2 reads this, reads like this. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. That's the promise. Now, the promises of God are absolute, meaning that we can be sure of this, Philippians 1 and 6 he who began a good work in you, in us, in all of us, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's always watching over his word and will ensure that it's fulfilled. Now, in this story, this book of uh, Numbers actually started way back in the book of Exodus whenever the people of Israel were actually held in captivity uh, uh, by Pharaoh in Egypt. And, 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 they, and they got tired of it and they prayed. It's like, like God, can you... No, can you deliver us? And then God started speaking to the deliverer, to Moses. And so Moses comes and says, hey, guess what? God spoke to me, and I'm going to try to do whatever I can to bring, you, to bring you out. Now, Moses even had some trepidation there. He did. God speaks to Moses. Moses gives God an excuse. Hold up. Like, you're going to send, like, like me? Like, like, you want me to go and talk to Pharaoh? What if he doesn't listen to me? God, you're giving me all these words to speak, but look, I can't even quite speak right. You get, all, you get some historians and theologians, they say that maybe he had a stuttering problem or, or, or maybe he just couldn't articulate the things that he wanted specifically very well. And so we really don't know. But, but I love how, how, how God always says, you know what, if I keep you in this place, that means you're going to have to rely on me even more. But if I tell you something, you feel like you can't tell it, I'm going to tell you, how about you just tell your brother Aaron, I'll, he'll go and be a mouthpiece. And so here we come on this scene. The God says, listen, Moses, I need you to send 12 men, one from each tribe, to go to the land of Canaan, which I promised you the promise. I'm sending spies into the promise to go and see what it's about. And these men go in there, and they're checking it out. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that, that, that they see all these humongous fruit. It says that they got some grapes. The grapes were so big that they had to put it on the pole and carry it between two men. And them some big grapes. 
And so the Bible says they come back with the report, and they're telling all the people, listen, we went into the land, and this is the fruit that's there. And everybody there is like, oh, man, that is great. We're going to have all this food. Things are going to be great. And everybody is so excited, and we're so, it's so phenomenal. I can't wait till we get there. And then all of a sudden, you have these jokers. They do this thing right here. Is they say, the food is great. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So you mean you get us all built up where we're flying high in this big hot air balloon just to pop it and bring us back down. Now we're scared back in another place again. All of a sudden we have this promise, but now the promise is not as good because you have to understand that fear blinds us to the promises of God. These guys are standing in the promised land. And they come back and give a bad report until one man named Caleb stood up. He says, hold up. This is my 2019 version, but you can go and read it. He says, hold up. This is the land that God promised us. He sent us in here. We can take this land. Let us go forward. And because of those bad words, everybody kind of just stood back like, look, Look, homie, you can go if you want to, but I'm not going to go in there for all those giants and things are really that bad. I, I'm not going to do it. But, but, but I can hear Caleb kind of echoing something that I heard Stephen Furtick say. Now, you can have fear, but don't let fear have you. And we can all understand it, and I think we can all relate to that because some of us have fear for certain things. It's okay to have a little bit of fear, but it's not okay if we allow fear to have us. God made you stronger than that. He made you bigger than that. And this is what I want you to learn and understand. If you can learn to fight your fear, you can move forward in your destiny. If you can learn to fight your fear, you can move forward in your destiny. Why do I say that? Because we serve a God who is willing and able to step into the domain of your fear and replace it with his power. With his dunamis, that means unmatched power, unlimited power. With his love, his agape love, that means never ending. His love will never change. And with his self-control, with his discipline that he places on the inside of you. This fear holds us hostage to our past. And we begin to ask questions of why things happened to me. Why did this happen? And why did that happen to me? I, I don't understand. And we start to begin to feel like we need closure in order to move on. That's the trick of the enemy. You don't need closure to move forward. God gave you a word. That's your closure to move forward. I remember that um, closure, this, this fear actually had a grip and a hold on me. Uh, some of you may know my story that, that I was married once before. And uh, uh, I was in the Marine Corps and my ex-wife divorced me. Uh, Suzette and I got married. We're going to be celebrating eight years this November. Praise Jesus. Because at times I didn't think we was going to make it. Because it was my fault. Because I was gripped by this fear of I need closure. My ex-wife never gave me closure. Look, why? Why didn't we make it? Why did you feel this way about me? And what it is, it stunned my wife and I's relationship. 
And I was not able to give her everything that she needed from me as a husband. I wasn't able to give my kids everything that they needed as a father because me, I was gripped by this fear that I needed closure. Stuck in my past. Now, I was physically moved on, but emotionally, I was still somewhere else. And that's what fear will do to us. Physically, we can be in a different location. But emotionally, we're still stuck, and we don't have anything that we can give to that next person that's in front of us. Until God released me because I allowed him to do it. I let go of it. And man, let me tell you, I dropped that pack and ran like you wouldn't believe. And once I did that, and listen, this will be eight years, and we probably honestly didn't get, we, we probably were talking about getting divorced probably eight, nine times, probably more than that. And we didn't get into a place to where we're really good, to where it's like, if you want to know where I'm at, call Suzette. If you want to know where she is, call me. You know, and, and, and it's, it's been great. And this has just been the last year and a half. <clears throat> there it is. So I want to let you know that this, hey, Bubba. Just because, I'm, just because I'm up here preaching and you see me here, I don't want anybody to ever think that my life is perfect or I do perfect things because I'm not. Now, listen, I will be perfected when I get to heaven, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to mess up. And so you guys got a little bit of my story. You may be like, hey, John, tell me some more. Come and talk to me, and I, and I might, tell you a, <laughs> might tell you a little bit more. It depends on if my wife lets me. She might say, no, shut your mouth. And I'll tell her, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and so, and so, and so I, I physically moved on, but emotionally I was trapped because I trapped myself. I allowed myself to stay there. And so it brought me to this place whenever I released that thing. that It, it put me in this place, which is my second point. I now understand that Jesus is bigger than my fears. Oh, man, this is so good. Man, man I don't know if y'all getting this or, or, or what, if you just stare looking at me talk, but listen, I don't want y'all to hear me talking. I want y'all to hear what Jesus is saying to you because Jesus is bigger than anything that you're going through, anything that you're gone through. He's bigger than your fear. He's bigger than your anxiety. He's bigger than your insecurity. He's bigger than your lack. Jesus is bigger than every last bit of that. But you have to allow him to work with that. You have to give it to him. And so 1 Samuel 17 and 45 says this. It says, then David said to the Philistines, you come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, see, David stands confidently in this statement because of how close he was to God. Now, listen, the closer you are to God, the more of his power that he allows to manifest out of you. Hmm. Let me say that one more time. The closer that you are to God, the more of his power that he allows to manifest out of you. That means that when I start speaking to those storms, that they're going to cease. That means when I start speaking to that fear, it has no other, uh, uh, no other reason, no other, it can't do nothing else but run away. When I start speaking to the anxiety and, and, and to mental anguish that I have inside of me, it has no other reason but to leave. Because of the power, the dunamis power, the unmatched power, unlimited power that is inside of you. And so we have to understand that David experienced the Lord's power. David knew, he knew this here, he knew that 
worry and worship couldn't live in the same space. That if you want to worry less, you have to worship more. Man, let me say that one more time because y'all ain't responding to that was good right there. If you want to worry less, you have to worship more. If you want to fear less, you have to worship more. If you want your emotions to be stabilized more, then you have to learn to worship more. Worshiping Jesus places him in his rightful place. This then gives him the authority to fight for you. When I'm not worshiping God, he's just sitting back there like, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting. Just call me, come on, tag me. Let, let, let me come in. He's just waiting. But when I don't worship him, I'm not giving him the ability to stand in front of me and fight my battles for me. You have to understand that Jesus is bigger than your fears. He loves you too much to leave you where you're at. He loves you more than anything that you're going through. He's greater still. Scripture says that he was the same yesterday, today, as he will be forevermore. Now, if he delivered the Israelites from the Egyptian hands, how much more will he also deliver you from this fear that you're going through? And I may be talking to some of you now, and there may be some, be some things welling up inside of you, but that, that, that's okay. That, that, that's just deliverance coming to you. That's all it is. Yeah. D- d- don't, don't be afraid. Some of you may get in this little heart flutter and stuff. D- d- that's okay. That's just the Holy Spirit coming in, working some things and moving some things out, so that way you can walk into the fullness of him. Woo. So that you can do the things that he said to do. Worship tells Jesus that you believe that he is bigger than your fears, that he is bigger than your doubts, that he is bigger than your insecurities and bigger than your anxiety. I love what John MacArthur says. John MacArthur says this, and it's going to be on the screen. It's, a, it's really big. So take a picture if you, because I'm going to read this kind of fast. He said, the great spiritual triumvirate of power, love, discipline belong to every believer. To every, everybody say every believer. Every. Now say, I'm a, I'm a believer. So that belongs to you. These are not natural endowments. We are not born with them, and they cannot be learned in a classroom or developed from experience. They are not the result of heritage or environment or instruction, but all... Be- Let me stop. Listen, you, you, this is stuff that you can't get from, from, from your earthly heritage, but you can get it from the heritage of Jesus. Our, our, our earthly heritage will give us stuff like fear. Like, like, like maybe you've seen your mom scared to step into a new season, or, or maybe you've seen your... Mom, uh, uh, afraid to try love one more time because of bad situation. That's what you can get from your inheritance or from your heritage, naturally. But Jesus is completely different. He changes all of that. And he makes all things well. And he makes all things good. And every, matter of fact, the Bible says that he makes everything work together for your good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when I stand and I walk, and I'm called to his purpose, all things got to be good. Even if it looks bad, it's still good. Even if Jesus don't say nothing about the thing, it's still good because he's doing something when he ain't saying nothing. You got to, because you you really have to understand that. He works all things together. But all believers possess these marvelous God-given endowments, power to be effective in his service, Love to have the right attitude toward him and others. Discipline to focus and apply every part of our lives according to his will. When these endowments are all present, marvelous results occur. When these endowments are all present, marvelous results 
occur. So what you're saying, Pastor John, you're saying that I can't want all of God's power and not love like you said to love? That's absolutely what I'm saying. You can't want the manifested power, the unending power, the unmatched power, the dunamis power of God and not love like he says to love. It don't work that way. If I want all of God's power, then I need to love like he says love. Naturally, this is what we do. Listen, babe, I'm going to give you all the love that I have until you cross me. Now you say something wrong to me, now I'm going to pull this back, and now you're going to have to earn my love again. But that opposes what Jesus says. Jesus, his agape love, mean an unending love, an unfailing love. We don't have, we shouldn't have to work or have anybody work for this kind of love. This is love that's naturally given. It should be given regardless. This is the kind of love that we have to, to forgive people who has wronged us, that we look at like, look, back in the day, you wouldn't have been having this forgiveness. But because I know Jesus now, things change. And so I can't have his power and have his love, but not have self-control with and not have discipline. Because you give me all the power in the world, y'all might as well go ahead and just slit your wrist now because I'm tearing everything up. That's being human. That's being a guy. But God will not give any of that stuff to us to allow that to manifest inside of us if we don't have self-control. If we don't have discipline. Self-control can also be, be, be you, you can also say, if I don't have a saved mind. And so we have to be careful on what we ask for and how we possess it. David, in all his wisdom, gives us some insight of how to fight fear. He says this in Psalms 18, 1 and 2. I'm not going to read all of, uh, all of uh, verse 2, but he says this. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. That's the key. Taking our refuge in him, saying that he is our Lord, and knowing that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we have no good apart from him. When I begin to do that, I place him in his rightful place. And it allows me then to walk how he told me to walk. It's like my good friend Michael Rowe in the back. He's bigger than I am, physically. And I want to put him, he's not Jesus, so don't think I'm saying he's Jesus because he's not. Okay, well, he does have long hair though, but he, he ain't Jesus. Okay, and so if I placed him in front of me right now, and if I stood just like how he's standing now, like this, you wouldn't be able to see me. Because every part of him would overshadow every part of me. And when it comes to fear, if I just stand in a posture of worship, Michael, come here. When I stand in a posture of worship, what it does for me is it places every part of Jesus in front of me. So that way, that way he blocks out fear, and fear can't see me. 
and he blocks out doubt so doubt can't reach me. And he blocks out those insecurities that you and I have because now insecurity can't see me. Because they can't touch, they can't touch this. They can't touch this. But I have to learn to stand in the posture of worship. And that's standing behind the Father. And walking in his shadow. So when he takes a left step, I take a left step. And when he takes a right step, I then take a right step. Now, the only way that the enemy, the insecurities, and the fear is going to be able to see you is if I decide I don't trust him enough and I want to peek out and see where I'm going. Thank you. And so what we have to do is we have to be willing to place ourselves in the footsteps that Jesus already walked in. He created a space for you. And he created a safety place, a safe place for you. And all you have to do is just stand and walk according to what he says to stand in. If he says to pray, then guess what you have to do? you got to pray. If he says to sing, if you can sing, then you need to sing. If you can't sing, you just keep it in your bathroom. And if he tells you to go and talk to someone, be a safe person for someone because right now they're scared out of their mind. Then you do what he said to do. But listen to this. And I was reminded of this by a guy who walked out of our first service. He says, don't ever forget this. Perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus is love perfected. And once and for all, he's casted out every bit of fear, every bit of trepidation, every bit of anxiety, every bit of lack, every bit of depression, every bit of, I feel like I'm going cuckoo for cocoa puffs right now, every bit of, I don't think that I'm good enough, every bit of, I don't know if I'm going to be able to apply for this job because I don't have these, these credentials. I don't know if I'm going to get into the school that I want to get into because I didn't come from that side of the family. God has placed every bit of that stuff on his shoulders and he buried it so that you wouldn't have to live with it. Hmm. He loves you more than you love that thing that's holding you bound because he died for you. He's loving you more than that trepidation that you have about this next move. He loves you more than, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it with my relationship with my husband or with my wife. Listen, you stand in his shadow. Stop trying to do it yourself and allow him to do it. It's not your job to fix anybody. It's his job to do that. And so when things don't go our way, we, we can start getting fearful because now I've lost control. You were never created to control anything. He's the controller of everything. And I want to do something. I'm a little bit over time right now. So I want to pray for you. 
I'm going to ask all of you to do something very bold. If you have fear right now of I don't know what's going to happen, I don't know which way to turn, I want you to come forward. Just let me pray for you. Let us partner with you. Let us agree with you. If you're still gripped by, by, by those echoing voices of a dead foe that's telling you that you're not good enough, God doesn't really love you. You're never going to amount to anything. You're not going to be able to make it. You're just like such and such. Then I want to pray for you. If you've had anybody that has done anything to you and you are feeling like that, I can't move forward unless I need closure. I want you to come here because that's a lie of the enemy and we're breaking that today. This is not a game, and this is not practice. This is real life, and this is for real. Because the devil is real, and he wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to keep you stuck in his clutches and his grasp, and whenever you die and you perish, which we all will one day, he wants you to go to hell with him. That's the real reality of things. This is not a game. This is war. This is battle. This is a fight. And we have one or two things to do. Either we'll give up and we'll start believing the lies of the enemy or we'll start believing the report of the Lord. And I choose to believe the report of the Lord. And I'm going to pray for every last one of them and I ask that you would pray along with me. Because just as Pastor Rich did last week, I want to speak to every last one of their lives and let them know who they are, not who they're not. The devil comes to condemn. He comes to confuse. God is greater than all of that. Father, I thank you so much for each and every person that's up here now. Father, I thank you that you're good and because of you, is the only reason why we're able to live, move, and have our very being. Father, I ask now in the name of Jesus that you would begin to silence the voice of the enemy, that we would hear your voice, God, and the voice of a stranger will run from. I ask now in the name of Jesus, God, that we will begin to stand with our back erect and our head held high because you have called us to be greater. You have called us to be king's kid, God. You have said, you said, God, that we are made in the image and in the likeness of you. And I speak now to each and every person that's here. That God has said that you're loved. He said that you're strong. He said that you are not your past. He says that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. That you are his people. And we rebuke the lies of the devil that tries to tell you otherwise. Jesus is greater than all of that. He's more than anything that you feel like you can't get over. Perfect love casts out all fear. You will fear no longer, you will have depression no longer. You will be anxious no longer. You will no longer be insecure. 
You will no longer think that you have to speak a certain way, but you will speak what God tells you to speak. You are not what people try to define you as. You are son of God. You are royalty, and God did place a purpose inside of you, and he wants you to use your voice to bring it forward. He did call you to be a mentor of men. He called you to be a lover of people, to be a great husband and a great father. That's who you are. God said you're a world changer. He said you may not see it now, but he's called you to change the world. He's called you to change people and to change relationships. That's why you fight so much for it. He doesn't care if you don't have a relationship yourself right now. He's God. And he knows in his perfect time, he'll have the perfect person to come for you. But right now, you do exactly what he's called you to do. God called you back home. Now, I know it's hard to come here. Maybe those voices were telling you not to come back to Abilene. But God said otherwise. Right now, this is the place that you're supposed to be in. You didn't fail just because one job didn't accept you. He placed you exactly where you were needed. People need a healing touch from you, and that's why he brought you back here, because you're going to bring healing to people. He wants you to use your voice. He wants you to use your hands. Start singing more. Start worshiping more, not just here, or in your, but everywhere. He wants you to do that, because you are a world changer also, and he wants you to do that. Saul, my man, pick your head up. Stop looking down. You're a king's kid. He's placed something on inside of you that you know is there that you've been fighting. Stop fighting it. You have to stop fighting it. Perfect love casts out all fear. And he loved you so much that he gave his son for you. He died for all of that. You know what you're supposed to do. And I hear him saying, do it. Stop running. Because eventually he's going to stop chasing. And he's gonna, you got to turn around and come back to him. But right now he's grabbed you by the collar. And he's saying, just do what you're told to do. Just do it. You have a voice that people need to hear. You have something inside of you that people need to hear. It's going to destroy yokes. You just have to begin to speak up. Father, we love you. You're so great and you're so mighty. You're so loving and so kind. We give you all of us because your son gave us all of him. And so I want to ask that you guys do something for me. If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and can do exactly what he said he can do, I want you to stand up. And we're going to end in worship. And I don't want you to just sing this song because it's on the screens, but I want this to be a declaration for you that he's greater than your weakness He's greater than your fear. He's greater than chaos. He's bigger than confusion. That anything that you need God for, he will be that if you allow him to do so. So let us worship God. Let us praise God. Let us make this declaration. And let us walk out victors because you are victorious in Jesus.